0: Good morning and welcome into worship this morning. If you're visiting with us, we extend a special welcome to you. Perhaps you're visiting to witness the baptism of Nora Winter Martin this morning. If you are, we extend welcome to you and uh, to all of us here as the family of God to give witness to this covenant sign being administered, sign and seal, to one of God's covenant children. It is our Delight and uh, our joy, and also our responsibility to give witness and then to take into consideration, to consider carefully the vows that are taken not only by the couple but by the church. Just a reminder for uh, of one thing in the bulletin, that is that there. This is the last day to sign up for the evangelism workshop that's happening this coming Saturday at nine o'clock. So, if you are uh, going to be participating in that, um, interested in that, you can read more about it in the bulletin and know that you are to sign up today uh, for that that workshop. I was reading last evening uh, a book about uh, the state of the church, the state of uh, religion in the West, and the book's sitting on my table. I meant to bring it with me, and the quote was so good, I wanted to share it with you. So with my uh, apologies to the author, it went something like this. The church today wants so much to cater to its members, when people come to church, they say, I want it to be just the way I like it, the way I want it to be. I want it to be uh, something that's fulfilling for me, something that's interesting to me. And that means I am the one that needs to be consulted. And he, intra- he commented by saying, that's the crisis in the church today. And he said, I go to church because Jesus is there. And he meets with his people and you know, he says, I've been going to church my whole life, and he still surprises me. So if something's said today in the sermon, something is done in worship today that surprises you, go ahead and ask a question. Ask, say, why do we do that? Why do we, why do we go, uh, go about and do that? Or ask yourself, maybe I don't have a complete right understanding regarding what the Word teaches. Jesus is going to confront a law expert this morning in our passage, Luke chapter 10, who knew everything about the law. He knew the beginning from the end, and he knew all the additions and the subtractions, and he was ready to say to Jesus, I've done it all. I've kept it all. And yet Jesus, when he asked him a question, surprised him. And it was about love, something we think we know quite a bit about today we're going to learn about that. And as God calls us into worship, I'd ask you to stand. He calls us to give him the honor and the glory, to recognize that he is calling us to worship, and he declares how we are to come into his presence. He doesn't ask us how we would like to worship him, but he tells us how he wants to be worshiped. Psalm 107, O give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say this, those whom he has redeemed from all their troubles. Whoever is wise, this is wisdom, whoever is wise, let him attend to these deliverances. Let them consider the steadfast love of the Lord. Our God is faithful. He is loving and he has called us to worship, congregation. In whom is your help? He greets you this morning. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father. To whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. We're going to turn our hymnals now to number 135. 135, O Praise the Lord, His Praise Proclaim. We're going to sing stanzas one and four, one and four of number 135. morning as we read God's will for our lives, we look at 1 John, book of 1 John. We've just sung that all those idols of the nations are dumb. They don't speak, they're deaf, they can't hear, they can't do anything. You see, after all the gods that we make are of our own imagination. We simply want them to echo what our our thoughts are and what we wish to be, and really in making those gods, we are loving what uh, we love most, namely ourselves. We say, you exist for me. Well, God says, I I am high and lifted up, but I'm near to those who are humble and bowed down, those who humble themselves and confess their sins before me and seek to live in keeping with my command. How do we do that? Well, lovingly. That's what it looks like to keep God's command, to love the Lord with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And uh, as the law expert is going to be confronted by Jesus this morning on that matter of love, so we are reminded of this will of God for our lives. Now, little children, abide in Christ so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of him, or children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. Everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. You see, there's a call from the law. It is that which convicts of sin, but it is also that which points the way to walk, the way that we are to live. This is the way. Walk in it. God says, I love you, and I don't want you to walk in a way that would be destructive. I want you to walk in a way that is going to lead to your, to your flourishing and to my glory. So he says, walk in a pure way, even as he is pure. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. We, we just say the law doesn't really have a bearing. It's, we're saved by grace, and so the law really has no, no point, place in our lives. No, not so. It, it is that, again, which points us to Christ as a tutor, as a teacher, but then also is that uh, which comes back into our lives and guides us. We don't want to be lawless. We want to be those who understand freedom to live free from sin and to live uh, in the way of the Lord. Sin is lawlessness, he writes. You know that he appeared, Jesus appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. There is that growth in holiness. There is that pressing on. It is an endurance. It is a marathon. It's something that we train for. It's something that we press on in for the goal, for the goal that is set before us in Christ, namely, life. By this it is evident who the children of God, by this it is evident. Uh, evident, who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Today we're going to be talking about who is my neighbor, where, who, who is the one I'm supposed to love, and, and we're going to find that uh, Jesus expands the definition far beyond what we often uh, take as, as the limit for love. And when we hear these words that we don't practice sinning, that we don't keep sinning. We, We ought, if we're honest, to be a bit convicted, if not a lot convicted, that in this past week we have not lived in keeping with God's command. We're not walking in his way, which he sets before us most graciously. And we then say, how is it that he can pronounce that word of grace, that salutation, that greeting to us? It's because of what Christ has done. Verse 16 of the same chapter, verse John 3, says this, by this we know love, this is love, that Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers, for those around us. Christ has loved us so richly and so wonderfully and sets before us the example as well as providing the means by which our sins are covered. Well, this morning, we think upon God's wonderful love as we look at the form for baptisms. We're going to administer the sacrament of baptism to Nora this morning, the daughter of Titus and Abby, and I would invite you to turn to the insert in your bulletin, or you may listen as we consider what it is this sacrament has to teach us. Dear congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, what the Lord has revealed to us in his word about holy baptism can be summarized in this way. First, baptism teaches that we and our children are conceived and born in sin. This means that we are by nature children of wrath and for that reason cannot be members of Christ's kingdom unless we are born again. Baptism, whether by immersion or sprinkling, teaches that sin has made us so impure that we must undergo a cleansing which only God can accomplish. By this, we are admonished to detest ourselves, to humble ourselves before God, and turn to him for our cleansing and salvation. Second, baptism signifies and seals to us the washing away of our sins through Jesus Christ. For this reason, we are baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. When we are baptized into the name of the Father, God the Father testifies and seals to us that he makes an eternal covenant of grace with us and adopts us as his children and heirs. Therefore, he promises to provide us with everything good and protect us from all evil or turn it to our profit. When we are baptized into the name of the Son, God the Son seals to us what he washes, that he washes us in his blood from all our sins. Christ unites us to himself so that we share in his death and resurrection. Through this union with Christ, we are freed from our sins and accounted righteous before God. When you are baptized into the name of the Holy Spirit, God, the Holy Spirit, assures us by this holy sacrament that He will make His home within us and will sanctify us as members of Christ. He will impart to us what we have in Christ, namely the washing away of our sins and the daily renewing of our lives. As a result of his work within us, we shall finally be presented without the stain of sin among the assembly of the elect in life eternal. Third, the covenant of grace contains both promises and obligations. Having considered the promises, we, have now, we now consider the obligations. Through baptism, God calls us and places us under obligation to live in new obedience to him. This means that we must cling to this one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, We must trust in him and love him with all our hearts, soul, mind, and strength. We must renounce the sinful way of life. We must put to death our old nature and show by our lives that we belong to God. If we through weakness should fall into sin, we must not despair of God's mercy nor use our weakness as an excuse to keep sinning. Baptism is a seal and totally reliable witness that we have an eternal covenant with God. Our children should not be excluded from baptism because of their inability to understand its meaning. Just as without their knowledge they share in Adam's condemnation, so are they, without their knowledge, received to grace in Christ. God's gracious attitude toward us and our children is revealed in what he said to Abraham, the father of all believers. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. The Apostle Peter also testifies to this with these words, for the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. Therefore God formally commanded that children be circumcised as a seal of the covenant and of the righteousness that comes by faith. Christ also recognized that children are members of the covenant people when he embraced them, laid his hands on them, and blessed them. Since baptism has replaced circumcision as the sign and seal of the covenant, our children should be baptized as heirs of God's kingdom and of his covenant. As children grow up, their parents are responsible for teaching them the meaning of baptism in order that we may now administer this holy sacrament of God to his glory. For our comfort and to the edification of the church, let us call upon his name in prayer. Your Father in heaven, we thank you for your love, which is so high and wide and deep, greater than the floods that overcame the earth to judge. You lift us above those waters in Christ and carry us on top of the storm, above all accusation in Jesus Christ you promised to be a God to us and to our children. And so we plead with you that you would be gracious to this little one, that you would be most merciful to this young family, that you would guide them in the truth, show them the way, cause them to be persistent in following your commands, knowing that they are life and that they give direction. We pray, O oh Lord, that... Would look upon this child and bring her into union with your son, through your holy spirit, that she would be buried with Christ and to death, be raised with him to walk in newness of life, that she may follow Christ day by day, and joyfully bear her cross and cling to him in true faith, firm hope and ardent love. Comfort her in your grace so that when she leaves this life and in its constant struggle against the power of sin, she may appear before the judgment seat of Christ. We ask us in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, who with you, the Father and the Spirit, one and only God, lives and reigns forever. Amen. Titus and Abby, I'd ask you to stand. Beloved in Christ the Lord, as you have now heard, baptism is given to us by God to seal his covenant to us and our children. We must therefore use the sacrament for the purpose that God intended and not out of superstition or mere custom. That it may be clear that you're doing what God commands, you're to answer the following questions sincerely. First, do you acknowledge that our children who are conceived and born in sin and are subject to the misery that sin brings, even the condemnation of God, are sanctified in Christ and so, as members of his church, ought to be baptized? Second, do you acknowledge that the teaching of the Old and New Testaments, summarized in the Apostles' Creed and taught in this Christian church, is the true and complete doctrine of salvation? And third, do you sincerely promise to do all that you can to teach this child, to have her taught this doctrine of salvation? Titus and Abby, what do you answer? I'd ask you to come forward, as well as Elder Martin, who also happens to be Grandpa. I had many remarks prepared this morning. I don't know if Nora's going to let me do that. Um, The the, uh, remarks I had made, children, is this, that when parents come with their child, they do so out of obedience to God, and they do so recognizing that God has made a promise to us. We are not saying, we've done this so that you might honor us, but that you have made promise to us. And so as we come to this moment, we recognize that the, that the parents come indicating they're going to disciple this child and also to discipline the child from time to time, though now it's perhaps too early, but to lead the child in the way. And God does that because he wants us to walk in the right path. He says, don't, 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 have, a, don't have a tantrum, right? Don't, don't, don't go your own way but follow after my commands. And when the child comes to years of understanding, we give that direction as God directs us. So that's what we're thinking about this morning, even as we administer this sign. Let's get to come Nora Winter, Martin, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And now to you, dear congregation, to you, the people of the Lord, promise to receive this child in love, to pray for her, to help care for her, instruction in the faith, and encourage and sustain her in the fellowship of believers. What do you answer? Amen. We have a future choir member. We're going to sing now uh, the song in your bulletin. I believe it's number 192, and uh, we'll uh, remain seated for that. Go down. You can go down. <laughs> Turn to the Lord in prayer. Our Father in heaven, we don't understand the depth of your love towards us. It's depth, it's height, it's width. Your patience and your steadfastness, but it endures. From age to age, you are faithful. We know this because of the way we love. We know, we, we show that we do not understand your love by the way we love or don't love others, as the case may be. We set limits and boundaries. We, we want others to focus on us and to love us more. And we set conditions about who we will love and how we will love. Father, we thank you that your love is unconditional. The fact that you discipline us does not mean that there are conditions placed upon your love, but rather this is part of love. You discipline those you treat as sons. You direct those. You teach and command those whom you love to walk in the right way because you love. It is because of love that you speak in the imperative. It is because you love that you speak words of comfort and peace. It is because you love that you sent your Son, the one who did take away all our sins. In him we find the ground of our salvation. Lord, you often put us in situations that challenge us, that are hard, that make, us, make it difficult to do what you command. And that is to teach us, to teach us how much we need you to love as we are called to love, to grow in love as you would have us to grow. We're challenged to love prickly people and anxious people and controlling people. Only then do we learn the depth of your love for us. But these attitudes and many more describe us, yet you love us. Forgive us, Lord, for complaining and focusing on ourselves. Forgive us when we hear words like this and say, oh, I hope so-and-so heard that word because they really need to hear it. Help us, Lord, to hear the message this morning, to love without limit, to be those who understand that we are to love those who have need, and that is each one of us. We see the love of parents for their newborns, and it is a, a beautiful picture In baptism, we bring our children to you that you might remind us of that love you have for us and for our children, that you might speak a blessing for all of us to hear. You are most merciful. Father, we thank and praise you that you've forgiven us and our children all our sins through the blood of your dear Son, Jesus Christ. You've received us through your Holy Spirit as members of your only begotten Son, adopting us as your children, sealing and confirming this with baptism. We pray that through your beloved Son, that you will always govern us and this child even here this morning baptized by your Holy Spirit. May she be nurtured in the Christian faith. Grant the parents wisdom and patience and understanding in all godliness. O oh Lord, we don't want to walk away from the blessing that you give. Hold on to us, help us to grow in steadfast and steadfastness. We pray for those who are not walking in in that path, who have no desire to, who are rejecting you. Lord, we're reminded again of how your love extends in such a gracious way down to the least. And we pray that you would help those who are not walking with you, to see that and to understand that, to want to turn to you, be merciful to them, call them back, lovingly correct them. Lord, correct us, guide us. Our lives are to be lives of discipline, disciplined living, the disciplines of grace. That's why you speak to us from your word. Surprise us today again with your love. And surprise us again with the beauty of the gospel. we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Number 530, teach me thy way, O Lord. Number 530, that is a prayer of Preparation as we come to hear the words. Let's to hear the word. Let's sing those four stanzas, number 530, as we stand to sing.